Hello and welcome again to another Conservative Historian Podcast. This one entitled, The Lamentations of Our Times. The date is October of 2020, and I'm Belavis. But before we get to our podcast, again, just wanted to announce that the Conservative Historian book, A Collected Works, is available. One of the core pieces of these collected works, a ranking of all 45 presidents by conservative ideology. So you might have seen presidential ranking lists before, but not quite like this one. Hint, Roosevelt is not number three, and Barack Obama doesn't make the top 10. But somebody who's, who does make the top 10, and initials are CC, is definitely a prominent part of this list. And that is just one piece of the conservative historian collected works. Go to Amazon, type in that name, conservative historian collected works, and look for either a Kindle or a hardcover version. And now, on to our podcast, The Lamentations of Our Times. Lamentation, the passionate expression of grief or sorrow, weeping. Quote, If it were possible to cure evils by lamentation and to raise the dead with tears, then gold would be a less valuable thing than weeping. Unquote. Sophocles, a Greek playwright. Quote, there is no harm in patience and no profit in lamentation. Unquote. Abu Bakir, Arab Caliph. In a recent TikTok video, a young woman can be seen screaming and weeping that she wished she had never been born. And what was her lamentation? She was crying because of her whiteness and her privilege. You may recall the incident of Jacob Blake, an African-American man who had physically threatened a woman, was undergoing an arrest, resisted that arrest, resisted tasing, reached into the car for a knife, and then was shot by white police officers. This became quite a controversial thing in Kenosha, Wisconsin, leading to riots and burning. Of that incident, the daughter of a close friend of mine stated on Facebook that what happened to Jacob Blake made her, quote, sick, absolutely sick to my stomach, unquote. I should note this friend is a multimillionaire. The daughter has a well-paying role in a giant insurance company and has never wanted for anything in terms of physical sustenance in her entire life. Upon hearing of the death of Ahmed Aubrey at the hands of white racists, this would be one of 223 2015 stats, murders of blacks by whites, or roughly 0.00001% of the population of African Americans, which is 43 million, Los Angeles Laker basketball player LeBron James, an African American, stated that it is not even safe for him to go outside. Notwithstanding the hundreds of millions of dollars that do not seem sufficient for Mr. James to afford the necessary security to avoid the one in 187,000 odds of him being targeted, shot, and murdered by white people. LeBron should immediately fill in his Olympic-sized, lushly decorated swimming pool, which he photographed himself in his Instagram account, 
because the odds of him drowning are about 1 in 1,190. LeBron James is more likely to die of a dog attack than die at the hands of a white human being. Nevertheless, this does not stop his lamentations. Breonna Taylor and Jacob Blake lawyer Benjamin Crump says about America in 2020, quote, The unjust verdict in Breonna Taylor's case affects the mental health of black people in Louisville and nationwide. One-third of new mental health clients said Bree not getting justice was their reason for needing treatment, unquote. The evidence for this? A TMZ article using a sample of 30 people, of which 10 of them said Breonna Taylor's judgment was the reason for their mental illness the day after the decision. Now, how Mr. Crump extrapolates that to, quote, and nationwide, unquote, which would comprise about, oh, I don't know, 100 million people, is a little opaque. Still, like the Taylor family lawyer who presumably lost his loose lawsuit, it sounds like good copy for a Twitter feed. The lamentation of being African-American in the United States in 2020 is just one of many laments extolled in America. Another is around the COVID-19 virus that emanated from China. Quote, The world officially recorded 1 million deaths from COVID-19 in one of the most sobering milestones of the pandemic, but the real tally might be almost double that. Unquote. That's from Bloomberg. Quote, Coronavirus pandemic could have caused 40 million deaths if left unchecked, unquote. This from the Imperial College of London. And from that trusty source, CNN, quote, efforts to beat the coronavirus pandemic could cause over 1 million extra deaths from other diseases, experts warn. What is not said is this simple fact of COVID-19. And this is the one fact that was known in March. And it is known as of this writing in October of 2020. According to the Centers for Disease Control, of a sample of 194,000 deaths, 58% of those were above the age of 75. And when the period is lowered to 65, it comprises over 80% of all fatalities. COVID is not a plague in the traditional sense, but one that preys on the old and the infirm. Given that the average lifespan is 79, were those deaths COVID or, quote, complications related to COVID, unquote? In one case, Annie Glenn, widow of astronaut John Glenn, was a COVID victim at 100 years of age. That is a COVID death or was COVID the determinant of death by old age? Nevertheless, Upon this data and a worldwide case count case count of 40 million, which comprises one half of 1% of the total world population, governments decided to put the entire planet into economic recession. And the U.S. Congress and even the president authorized a $3 trillion rescue package upon a budget that was already $1 trillion over budget. Who pays for that $3 trillion? More than likely, not the old people who are affected by this disease, but the young people who will end up having to pay 
for all of this. Let's move now to the subject of hunger. Hunger is also a lament of our time. According to the nonprofit Ample Harvest, quote, although approximately one out of six Americans experiences food insecurity today, there is more than adequate amount of food available. Hunger in America can be solved, unquote. Just to be clear, even a nonprofit seeking donations and political relevance is not saying we are starving, just this food insecurity thing. We are not starving, not famine, food insecurity. Here is another article on food hunger. Quote, these facts do not end the debate. Food insecurity is defined as the disruption of food intake or eating patterns because of a lack of money and other resources. In 2014, 17.4 million U.S. households were food insecure at some time during the year, unquote. This was according to the Department of Health and Human Services, and this from a different U.S. executive department. Quote, the Agricultural Department announced this morning that 48 million Americans live in, quote, food insecure, quote, households, unquote. And as Senator Bernie Sanders noted in 2012 in his usual measured style, quote, nationwide hunger is at an all-time high, unquote. Given that the United States is a substantial net exporter of food, this is all pretty alarming stuff. Only it is not valid. James Bovard, writing for the Foundation of Economic Education, notes, quote, food insecurity is a statistic designed to mislead. USDA defines food insecurity as being uncertain of having or unable to acquire enough food to meet the needs of all their members because they had insufficient money or other resources for food, unquote. But as Bovard goes on to note, it is not entirely what the government is implying. Quote, USDA noted, for most food insecure households, the inadequacies were in the form of reduced quality and variety rather than insufficient quantity, unquote. The definition of food insecure includes anyone who frets about not being able to purchase food at any point. If someone states that they feared running out of food for a single day but didn't run out, this is an indicator of being food insecure for the entire year. Yes, a single day can translate into an entire year, regardless of whether they ever missed a single meal. If someone wants organic kale, but can only afford conventional kale, that is another food insecure indicator. A Journal of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics study concluded that food insecure adults are far more likely to be obese, obese, than food secure adults, indicating that a shortage of food is not the real health problem. According to the American Medical Association Journal, Quote, seven times as many low-income children are obese as are underweight. Seven times. Contrast that with the Sanders statement, a self-serving statement, that hunger is at an all-time high. Politicians, including the aforementioned Sanders, like to say this or that is unique in American history. The this or that always aligning to their political narratives and for them to assume greater political control. But in the case of obesity in America, 
That is historically unique. According to the Centers for Disease Control, quote, from 1999-2000 through 2017-2018, the prevalence of obesity increased from 30.5% to 42.4%, and the prevalence of severe obesity increased from 4.7% to 9.2%. Essentially, nearly one-half of Americans are overweight, unquote. Given the million-year history of humanity, that, in and of itself, is unique. It is also odd that both young and middle age is comparable to older populations in obesity. Given the greater activity of the young and simply a more active metabolism, this is odd. Yet, this is where unique gets piled onto exceptional in human history. As stated by the American Diabetes Association, quote, in contrast to international trends, people in America who live in the most poverty-dense counties are those most prone to obesity. Counties with poverty rates of greater than 35% have obesity rates 145% greater than wealthy counties, unquote. In all other countries before the 19th century, lack of food would always hit the poorest people, usually a high percentage of the population. In fact, an incredibly high percentage of the population, much harder than the rich. This is the first time in about 14,000 years that poor people have higher obesity rates than wealthy ones. The other troubling aspect is that the government entities providing the data are also the same to most benefit from hunger issues. The Agricultural Department exists mainly to support food producers. Here's the boilerplate from their website. Quote, we have the vision to provide economic opportunity through innovation, helping rural America to thrive, to promote agricultural production. Unquote. The dots self-connect. Hunger in America means we need more food. Since food insecurity by nature affects more impoverished Americans, it is better to distribute through governmental entities in vouchers such as food stamps. The best, most consistent customer for food producers is the U.S. government. If the food insecurity issue was as severe as noted, who benefits the most? Food producers and those governmental departments managing the system. So now that we have learned how awful and terrible it is to live in the United States today about all of the lamentations of our citizenry, a nation rife with racial animosity, continuous hunger, and enduring pestilence, it is time to compare the hellhole of America today with historical examples of these lamentations. Racism. The primary note of systematic racism is a clarion call to roll over any barriers to political power acquisition. Yet, our racism has not prevented African Americans from becoming millionaires, mayors, governors, leading actors, CEOs, senators, cabinet officials, scientists, and even President of the United States. Barack Obama's post-presidency saw him and his wife follow up his two terms in office, by earning nearly $100 million in less than a five-year period. 
Contrast this with the fate of groups within the medieval period provided by this author. Geraldine Heng, writing for History Magazine, stated, quote, Slavery in the medieval period was also configured by race. Caucasian slave women in Islamic Spain birthed sons and heirs for Arab rulers, including the famed caliphs of Cordoba, the ranks of slave dynasties of Turkic and Caucasian sultans and military elites in Mamluk, Egypt, were regularly resupplied by European, especially Italian slavers. And the Romani, or gypsies, in southeastern Europe became enslaved by religious houses in landing-owning elites who used Romani slaves as labor well into the modern era, making gypsy the name of a slave race, unquote. The point is that racism has always been with humankind. And in a nation of 330 million, if one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth of Americans are racist, that is 33,000 people. That is not a tiny number. But for those who are yelling racist, it is not enough to say there is systematic racism within the United States. But that is simply not nearly enough to establish all of the changes that they desire. The type of systematic racism that was actually the official policy of caliphates in Spain or sultans in Egypt. Disease. The bubonic plague or black death, which occurred in the 14th century, is relatively well known to Western minds. Less known is the third plague that happened in the late 19th century and emanated from China. Surprise there. Quote, culminating in 1907, where the death toll reached more than 1 million. Altogether, the third plague pandemic claimed around 12 million lives in India. Unquote. It also caused another 3 million deaths worldwide. That 12 million was when India's population was around 238 million, meaning that 5% of the population perished during the plague. In the United States, the case count, not the fatality count, the case count is 7 million or a little over 2% of the total population of the United States. But again, there are lockdowns, multi-trillion dollar packages, and political recriminations. Worldwide deaths are over 1 million or 1 15th of the third plague. And this is also based on a population nearly five times as large as the time of the third plague. The 19th century Indians would have laughed at us. Hunger. As stated by author Carly Dodd, writing for History.com, quote, the deadliest famine in history took place in China between 1959 and 1961. This catastrophe has often been referred to as one of the greatest human-made disasters. The regional droughts did play a part. The famine was caused by a combination of political and social factors by the People's Republic of China, led by Mao Zedong. These policies namely the Great Leap Forward, which began in 1958, and the People's Communes, created a disastrous environment that cost tens of millions of lives. Unquote. This is a first-hand account from Yang Jixing, provided by The Guardian magazine. Quote, a survivor of the famine 
In barely nine months, more than 12,000 people, a third of the inhabitants, die in a single commune. A tenth of its households are wiped out. He saw 13 children beg officials for food and are dragged deep into the mountains where they die from exposure and starvation. A teenage orphan kills and eats her four-year-old brother. Forty-four of a village's 45 inhabitants die. The last remaining resident, a woman in her 60s, goes insane. Others are tortured, beaten, or buried alive for declaring realistic harvests, refusing to hand over what little food they have, stealing scraps, or simply angering officials, unquote. And by the way, this famine resulted from the type of socialist nirvana that Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would drag the United States into. There were famines in ancient Rome, famines in medieval China, a famine in Bengal in the 1770s that devastated whole swaths of India. Perpetuated by the practices of the British East India Company, a true exemplar of crony capitalism, nearly 10 million Indians died due to lack of food. Again, the poor Indians died, the wealthy British were the obese ones. And compare this to the lamentations of food insecurity in the United States. Is this to say we do not have severe problems in the United States? Of course not. There are hunger people. As I have stated before, there are going to be racists within a nation of 330 million. And yes, COVID-19 is a very serious thing, but we also have other problems. In the United States, we are virtually bankrupt economically. Our politics are increasingly devoid of serious address to the issues at hand. And as I stated before, there is racism, hunger, and disease within our borders. But these three are not the real issues of our time, but rather the real issues that ambitious people use to scare American citizens into providing support, resources, vote, and most importantly of all, political power. There is simply no better place to live in humankind's history than in the 21st century, capitalistic-based, limited government-managed America. Our real lamentation is that so few Americans truly understand what they have, and so many Americans seem willing to give all of that away. This is Bell Avis. Thank you for listening to this Conservative Historian podcast. Please visit our website at www.conservativehistorian.com for columns, for essays, book reviews, videos, and more podcasts. And as I stated earlier, please check out our book on Amazon, A Conservative Historian Collected Works. Once again, really, really appreciate you listening.